0: Coinspot are giving away ten dollars worth of free Bitcoin for each verified user once they make their first deposit. Just go to coinspot.com.au forward slash BTC one two three.
1: Trader Crypto Podcast. This is the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. I've got another fantastic guest with us today is Jordan. I will let him pronounce his surname. He is the head of institution at CoinJar and also the host of the Uncommon Podcast. So, Jordan, thanks for being with us today. And uh, if you wouldn't mind just giving us uh, your surname for one, and also let us a little bit know about you and where you've come from, mate.
1: Look, um, it, the last name is an interesting one. It's uh, a Greek Cypriot last name or... Oh. Greek Cypriots or a lot of have uh, this Edes on the end. So my grandfather's name was Michael, hence Michael Edes means son of Michael. So um, it's like the Smith of that part of the world. Um, and I guess what I do, I'm head of institutional at Coinjar. So before we recording, we are having a chit chat about that and really means anything institutional related, particularly sales um, for some of our products. And then also hosting my own podcast and little media business, I guess.
0: Excellent. Well, we are very, very interested about the institutional side of things here uh, on this show and with the clients that I have and listeners, simply because there's been a lot of talk about this uh, in the, well, the crypto space, I suppose, for probably the biggest part of the year. I mean, if you think about last year, what the, all the rage was talking about um, you know, when the institutional money comes. 2018 will be where the institutional money comes. And look, we are seeing institutional money flow into the space. But from a lot of the fund managers and VC people that I've had on the show and spoken to in person, um, a lot of the money seems to be going into equity type deals, which these these particular projects may not have made it to the market yet. So we're not seeing it coming over the counter. We're not seeing it come into the exchanges. What are you guys seeing at the moment? I mean, you're at the forefront. What change and, and what's the issues and hurdles, I mean, for us in this institutional space to see this money properly come in?
1: Yeah, well, I guess the thing is with trends is that Australia is always so behind America. And so if you look at America, you've got Coinbase. Um, uh, I've actually been in conversation with Goldman Sachs, who now have a team over there in New York. So it's part of their principal strategic investments team uh, run by a guy named Justin Schmidt. Uh, so there's there's a lot going on there. They've got at least three to four people at both those companies. There's maybe a few others there that I'm probably forgetting. So they're pretty mature in an early marketplace. Whereas in Australia, we haven't seen much of that. I feel like I'm probably one of the first people on an institutional level to be hired in this marketplace in Australia. But in going to like the actual clients and what people are doing, you're very right. Like It's all VC firms who are taking equity stakes in actual companies in the space. However, the thing I've noticed this year since I've joined Coinjar is people are sort of in this toe dipping phase where they're just testing the waters doing a bit of research all that sort of stuff you know how much does it cost for us to do this or that do you offer margin when are you going to offer margin um they're asking about our fund so they're sort of poking around we're getting invited to events to do you know thought leader type talks for super groups as an example so that's very that's been very interesting and then little things like when I speak to over-the-counter brokers who are sort of your behind-the-scenes intermediary brokers that often deal with high net worth individuals, they're saying that institutions are now getting into that space. So as opposed to it being an individual to an individual transaction, it's often institution to an individual and they're, they're primarily focused on Bitcoin and Ethereum. So that, those are some of the little things that I've noticed at least since I've started at CoinJar.
0: Yeah, that's quite interesting. I mean, you, you talked about the uh, the supermarket. Uh, it, it's a it's a massive market. Um, we I've had a, a, a number of different guests that have been discussing uh, the toe dipping into that sort of sector, uh, as you quite um and, you know, as you quite rightly put it. And and I mean, the conversations that's, that these people are having, whether they be financial planners, because most financial planners planners will say on record, no, it's terrible, it's dangerous, it's too risky. Once you actually go, right, are we off the record? They go, it's actually quite interesting. Um, and the conversation then comes to something like, you know, it's it's more about how much would we look to put of our portfolio in as exposure to this as opposed to, no, stay away from this. It is it is out of this world risky. And then, look, it is risky. That's why people are talking, you know, maybe a couple of percent, maybe up to 5%. But that 5%, if it's invested correctly and this market does uh, continue to follow the trend that it has been, um, we can see that, you know, their entire portfolio can... You know, from that five percent can actually be outperformed by just that five percent.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's so funny you mentioned that. I just was reading about a month ago. Um, I can't remember the re- the research paper. I'll have to link it to you afterwards. But it was by Grayscale, and Grayscale are probably the best in America for offering a you know Bitcoin crypto trust, which is what CoinJar offers, and they've spoken about that very fact. If you were if you were signed. One, three, or five percent, and then everything else was a mix of equities and bonds. What would your returns look like? Um, and obviously, this is looking historical, so it's a, a easier to be—you know—it's easier to say, "Hey, look how great crypto is with historical returns." But um, I think it just—I think it outlines to a lot of people who have to view a portfolio as a whole, as opposed to in a vacuum of just crypto and saying maybe we should include this alternate class of, you know, being 1% of the allocated funds of funds under management. And I think it's warranted because enough people believe cryptocurrency is legitimate. And so I think they're starting to realize that and hence they're inviting us to talk at these events and so forth.
0: Yeah, it's definitely evolving. Uh, I mean, if you consider, I mean, Was it back in October? I think it was September, October of last year. You know, you had all, you know, you had the, you had the, what I would call uh, idiots uh, like Jordan Belfort. Uh, Why anyone listens to a a con artist's opinion? Um, I I, I really don't know. Uh, Jordan is the scum of the earth. I'd second that. And has no, yeah, I've spent time with the guy. He has no, I just, yeah, I'll leave it at that. He's not worth, he's not worth considering more than, you know, stomping on as you walk over top of him. Um, you know, and then you had people like Goldman Sachs coming in and, and JP Morgan and screaming from the rafters that this is a fraud, this is a con. And, you know, people were asking me about my opinions on that because I've come from a trading traditional markets background. And, you know, I said back then, and I stand by this, you know, these institutions, they they don't care. They're waiting for a way to make money off of it. Once they work out how to make money, it'll be the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and, and, and you know, since Goldman Sachs has bought companies that have inadvertently bought Companies that are in blockchain, so they've done it sort of behind a, uh, a loosely termed put, you know, behind a wall. Uh, but now they've come out just recently this year and sort of said, you know, we are, um, we've actually allocated members of staff and put more importantly, because it's not the investment that they're making. Because let's be honest, Goldman, you know, can blow a couple of hundred million dollars in the space and it, it'll be a hiccup. It won't, it won't matter their bottom line. But what they're doing is they've actually gone and put their brand. With crypto, which is a big step forward because it 's saying you know the vampire squid, the biggest investment bank in the world the, the the bank that is known culturally as being very aggressive, very intense, very profitable, and very good for investors, has now come out and you know not without thinking put their hand up and said basically we 're the first that 's a big statement
1: yeah it 's been very interesting, and i um I've enjoyed speaking to them. I think they're very serious about it. Like you said, they've not just put money behind investments, but they're putting resources and people behind an actual division focused on digital assets. So I think that's that's very interesting. And I, I, I'm just thinking back to what you said you know, the optics of the CEOs of Goldman and JP Morgan bashing cryptocurrency. But I've always thought when it comes to business and particularly media and, and optics, um, it's, it's a better form of persuasion to, to tell people you're not doing something and then be doing something. So I always look at uh, what they're actually doing and not what they're saying. And that's the most interesting news to me. And
0: we saw it on the on the order books too. From if
1: uh, all those screenshots
0: were to be believed by J.P. Morgan, um, you know, as they were, you know, trash talking, and it looked as though, and I, like I, I can't verify this at all, so it's it, it still is hearsay, but it looked as though that they were trying to pick Bitcoin up at the time. But either way, we are definitely seeing the institutional space increase, both on a um, you know from a uh, you know larger corporate sorry medium sized corporations to to the to the mega companies. Uh, you know Fortune 500 type companies. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about this coin jar fund, right? So, tell us more about it. What's what's your angle?
1: Well, I mean, the whole rationale is that, but you know, when we had this whole peak of November December 2017, everyone was going bonkers for crypto. Before that, Asher and Ryan the two founders of Coinjar had had people who sort of fit in that wholesale investor demographic asking about how they would invest in crypto. And a lot of the time they were saying, well, we don't really want to do this ourselves. Can we just pay you a fee to do it? And we don't offer a brokerage service. Uh, We have Coinjar Exchange and then Coinjar Touch and Swipe, which are more retail products. So we got thinking about what interface could we offer. And hence the idea of an investment trust, which is what we call a managed investment scheme here in Australia. Uh, That sort of idea materialized in their minds and it's essentially a low-cost index style fund. So you probably know Vanguard, Vanguard's ETF funds. Um, This is sort of a more wholesale version so it's not a registered fund and it just allows people to access the market with a very low-fee Uh, I guess, vehicle and tax effective as well because crypto tax wise, if you're a wealthy individual and you're allocating a large amount of money is a pain in the ass. Whereas a unit trust is very straightforward. It just falls under capital gains. People know the rules for that. They can pass it on to their accountant and then job done. So that's why we created it. Um, The way that it's structured is we have two classes where you have Bitcoin only and then a mixed class. So Bitcoin only, literally as funds are deposited, we allocate to Bitcoin. And then for the mixed class, it's weighted between Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and Ripple. And the way that we weight that is based on supply relative to Bitcoin. So how many numbers of units um, and how does that constitute the percentage of funds under management? So when you know someone deposits the $50,000 as a minimum, as an example, the funds are allocated across, as per the equation, those four currencies. So I think the way it works out now, you get about 50 to anywhere to 60% in Bitcoin and then the rest um, making up the remainder. Um, so those are sort of the basic mechanics, I guess.
0: So how, how does it work? I mean, is it going to be you know, is it going to be multiple closed funds? I.e., you know, you might raise look to raise five million for the first or ten million or whatever the numbers are. I, I don't know, but because uh, if you're going to continue to bring investors in on a unit trust type scheme, I mean, there's got to be a, a number of units that are allocated. So assuming you want to fill those units in one raise and then open up a different vehicle.
1: Yeah, well, it's open ended, and so to make it open ended, you have to. Uh in part on the unit price, which is what people are actually buying. So you're buying a unit in a trust, not the underlying asset. Uh, So
0: the unit price will will fluctuate depending on the price and you can come in at – yeah, okay, I understand. Yep.
1: Yeah, so if if that's the case, then you have to impose a spread. So you have to impose a cost on people who uh, come in and people who leave. You can't impose a cost – On current investors. So hence, we have a spread to deal with those uh, fluctuations and that's common practice for a lot of open-ended unit trusts. Um, But like I said, it's it's open-ended. It's meant to operate like a Vanguard index fund but at a wholesale level. I think our wider goal over the long term is get towards retail. We actually have a general counsel starting with us later this month and so she'll take over the compliance portfolio as opposed to it being managed by myself and our CFO and so we'll start working towards getting retail funds so having a separate registered fund so that you know creates a whole new class and then maybe eighteen months depending on whether the, the ASX or ASIC in Australia has the palette for it is getting towards an ETF which is uh, that's uh, that's a task in and of itself
0: all the rage at the moment <laughs>
1: Well, it's all the yeah. I I don't I don't know. Uh, you know, Australia is hard because in America you've got these over the counter pink sheet markets. So grayscale was able to list through an over the counter market. Uh, you know, we'll see what options we have, but we we just need to get to somewhere where clients. I mean, we we launched this fund, and then a few days later we were having, even though people have to register as a wholesale investor, we were having like ten percent of the people come through as retail investors, like begging to invest in it. They, oh, I just want to put $5,000 in. Um, I don't want to have to manage this myself, yada, yada. And so that's where we want to get to is is making it simple. And I love Vanguard. I love using index funds. I know people bash it in the crypto world. Um, We can get into that. But I I think it just makes things a lot easier. And I mean, all my super is in um, index funds. I just think low fees is the way to go. If you, if you believe in compound interest and compounding your money, uh, low fees is the way to go. Absolutely. I mean, what's, um, what is the, the launch date for that, for the fund? So, it launched last week. We've just done our whole media. Uh, what would you call it? We've just been riding our bike around town doing all of our interviews. Um, so, we launched, I think it was technically, what's the date today? It's the the 10th. So we launched last Thursday, Friday. Um, So I've just spent the last week or so doing nonstop interviews and sending out IMs to people. Um, So yeah, we're officially launched um, and ready to go, I guess. How has
0: it been received so far?
1: Well, it's been interesting. I mean, it's a flat market, so it never helps. Um, The biggest thing that I've been surprised by is the amount of institutions that want to on-sell it. Um, I thought most of the people that would be interested first are private high net worth ultra ultra high net worth individuals um, which we've definitely had I think they make up like 50 60 percent of the initial investors and people asking for the IM um, but I've you know we've had a lot of institutions that want to on sell it maybe they're a wealth manager a lot of small financial planners which has been interesting Um and, you know, one or two household boardroom name um, institutions, whether they're investment banks or, or banking institutions. So um, it's been interesting. I think the main thing for us is getting the first few people in. Um, I, I We think internally, and this is more of a long-term play for us, uh, th- the real influx of capital will be when we start ramping up the market starts ramping up again um you know if we have another november december um it's going to go nuts it's this you know december last year we had a lot of people asking us like a lot like up to a couple of hundred asking us about a product like this so um yeah it's going to be very very interesting
0: yeah the, the the appetite is definitely dependent on the market uh, that's the same with our products you know and when the markets are going up, everybody wants a piece of it. When they're not going up, and they probably should be doing spending more time educating and learning, they they sort of close up. Same with ICOs. I mean, we we saw you know throughout January the ICO space was going absolutely bonkers. Uh, people raising huge amounts of money, uh, and then to be become very disappointed come July, June, July when when the ICOs hit the market, the the space is constantly evolving. It's interesting to see who's coming, who's going, and um, I guess how right now the market is crypto people. Um, We need to have the facilities to bring the traditional investor and institutions. I mean, there's there's traditional investors and there's institutions. They're they're two separate conversations. Uh, If we can bring in the traditional investor into the market, we're going to get a shot in the arm because that will be done via buying things uh, through exchanges like what you guys do, right? Which will give us direct volume into that market. Supply and demand should drive prices up if there's obviously more demand than there is supply, now institutions coming in, they come in in a different way because they're looking for equity players, VC firms, and that doing that sort of thing, which is a different way that money comes in. It's not direct and it doesn't inflate the price as quickly. So, it's um it's certainly all happening. It's great to see that you guys, at Australian company here, CoinJar, you know, a breaking new ground. And uh, I wish you guys all the best with it, Jordan. Where do people find out more information about CoinJar, obviously, and about the fund?
1: So for Coinjar, you just head to coinjar.com or au, however you like. And for the fund, it's am.coinjar.com.
0: am.coinjar.com. Well, Jordan, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate having you on the show, mate. Best of luck with everything going forward. And let's hope this market, uh, it will pick up. It's just a matter of when, hopefully sooner rather than later, and we get a nice run towards the end of the year. Definitely.
1: Thanks so much for having us. Cheers. Thanks very much, Jordan. Bye for now, guys.